Foodie Films is brought to you by the Cage Club Podcast Network. For all things Cage Club related, head on over to cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. Hey there, foodie fans, and welcome back to another episode of Foodie Films. I'm your host, Kyle Reinfried. So what's going on? January is coming to an end, first month of the new year of 2019. How'd you spend it? What'd you do? Where'd you go? What'd you eat? What'd you see? Any good movies? Award season, well, Golden Globes has happened, and all the little in-between, not little, I'm not trying to take anything away from the SAG Awards, and People's Choice, and all that, and all those awards, but, you know, it's the Academy Awards that everyone thinks about, and I don't, I don't know, well, those end of February, early March, but the nominations are out, and I gotta say, I'm a little sub- surprised by a couple of them. Uh, you know I'm a big Queen fan. If you don't know that, listen to the earlier episodes where I tend to ramble on. Well, in general I ramble on, but I ramble on about Queen and my love of Queen. And I wasn't that happy with Bohemian Rhapsody, but uh, to each their own. And it is being loved by the Academy, was loved by the the foreign press. And uh, I, I would just say, if you really enjoyed the movie... Uh, watch some documentaries. Find out the more the truer story. Uh, watch some live concerts. If you're like, wow, that was really cool how they did the whole ending, uh, you know, the Live Aid concert. And watch Live Aid instead. Not take anything away from those performances, but just watch them. Uh, you know, what? what a, I, I think I've seen like three of the, you know, however many movies are nominated for Best Picture. You know, originally it was it was always five, and then after the Dark Knight, they bumped it to ten for a year or two, like mandatory ten. But then it's now up to ten. So some years there's like seven nominated, some years eight. I don't know how many nominated this year, but I'm not a big fan of. Uh, I don't know. What I'm not a big fan of. Well, I'm not a big fan of a couple of movies that were nominated for Best Picture, but I don't even know what my favorite movie was this year. I really don't. I've been watching a lot of older movies, and this is such a golden age of TV. I've been watching a lot of TV. But I love watching these movies, these foodie films with you guys. Those are the new movies. And actually today, the movie we're talking about with my guest, Allie Rosen. Emmy, oh, talking about awards, Emmy-nominated Allie Rosen. That's pretty awesome, right? Stepping it up in my world of guests. She's fantastic. And we have a fun time talking No Reservations. 
a rom-com, Catherine Zeta-Jones, Aaron Eckhart, talking about Dark Knight, Two-Face right there, adorable Abigail Breslin, need an adorable girl after Dakota Fanning, you got Abigail Breslin. You know? So, we're talking that, we're talking rom-coms, absolutely delightful time. I went to Allie's uh, studio where she does you know, her cooking and filming for a se- segments of her show. You gotta check out her show. You're gonna talk all about it on uh, on this episode. So I hope you guys are just uh, enjoying the new year. I've actually I've started a diet. I don't own a scale, so I'm just I know you know I'm gonna weigh what I'm gonna weigh. What, what why why weigh yourself? What's the point of weighing yourself? I just know that I'm I'm eating better, and uh, you know I'm gonna eventually go to a nutritionist. I think, but you know, see, I'm getting a physical done, I'm getting my blood work done, I'm trying to see all the, you know, if there's any little little things I need to know about myself now that I'm, like, in my early 30s, anything's changing with my body, uh, but, yeah, just eating better, I'm eating a lot of spinach, a lot of fresh spinach, and then just trying to eat more, you know, portion control, and just, uh, just better, better food, just cooking a lot more at home, and, you know, things now like bagels and pizza and, oh, I love sandwiches, but those things just have to become more of, you know, treats and special special occasion foods. And that doesn't mean that I'm going to be suffering or anything like that. It just means that i got to be smarter and find some fun, delicious recipes. And that, that's that, I like cooking. I like cooking. So this is going to be fun. It's going to be fun to find some delicious, healthy option recipes and if you guys know any please write in oh and of course the big thing i want to start doing i would love for you guys to start uh start reviewing on itunes that like i I don't i don't know anything about these algorithms and all that kind of stuff but it would be awesome if you could uh yeah you know give me you know give me five stars give me i don't want want anything less than four stars i think i do a pretty good job and I mean, if you're if you're listening, like, are you really listening out of hate? So why would you, why would you give me less than like four stars? But five stars would be amazing, and especially comments too. Comments are always really fun, so I appreciate that. But yeah, hit me up with some uh, healthy, healthy, uh, you know, recipes. That'd be that'd be cool. Maybe something hearty for the winter time. Maybe some good soups or some stews or something like that. Maybe you got yourself a stew going. Hashtag Arrest Development. But here we go. It's me and Allie Rosen. Rom-com. She loves rom-coms. Well, you're going to hear all about it. Here we go. Which I was surprised by because it looked like the kind of movie that I would have seen before. So yeah. I expected to like remember having watched it and I hadn't. <laughs> well, I'm here with Allie Rosen. Allie, what's happening? How are you? I'm so excited to be with you. Thanks for having me. Thank you for getting back to me and coming on to Foodie Films. So hopefully uh, we'll have a good conversation. The movie at hand today is No Reservations. And you were not really, you had just like a little bit of reservation towards it. Because I, <laughs> I gave you some options as I, as I usually do for uh, you know guests. And you said, oh, Babette's Feast or No right. Reservations. Very so like an movies. Academy <laughs> Award winning film with like 97% on Rotten Tomatoes or a rom-com <gasps> with like 42% on Rotten Tomatoes. And yeah, you went a, with the rom-com. It's a Tell tough me, choice. Why? Why did we why did you go with it? So I lo- I mean I am like I am an unabashed 
rom-com lover. Oh, I love rom-coms. And I also feel that the rating system for rom-coms should be separate from all <laughs> other films. So I feel like a 42% rom-com is actually a truly excellent rom-com. Oh, okay. <laughs> because, no, they're always rated really... Like, I, I went through this once with my brother's girlfriend where I said, you know, name any rom-com that you love and like, let's look it up on Rotten Tomatoes. And we realized that a lot of the rom-coms that I think of as classics are actually rated super poorly by critics. So So what are some of the, what are your favorites? What are some of the classics? Well, I mean, I love, I love the rom-coms that came out like when I was an angsty teenager. So, I mean, I love like 10 things I hate about you and like, the Wedding Singer yeah. and Notting Hill. I and, love Notting Hill. Right. I mean, so those are all the great ones. But I also love the mediocre ones. Like, I love ah. the, like, Made in Manhattan or The Wedding Planner mm-hmm. or I'm just trying to think. Like, anything with Kate Hudson. Like, oh, yeah. you know, yeah. yeah that, J-Lo, the, Kate Hudson. Yeah. yeah ten, um, what is that? Ten, uh, ten Ways to Make a Guy. Like, how to Lose a Guy in Ten Days. But she has other ones. You know, it's like there's other like terrible ones that yeah. people don't think of. Like, oh, 13 Going on 30 is a great one. Oh, yeah. But, a- right. But then there's other ones like Failure to Launch or like The Family <laughs> Stone. Re- yeah. or like, I, I really like Failure. I like anything Matthew McConaughey, but Failure, failure to Launch. That's Sarah Jessica Parker, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, those are like Bradley not, Cooper. if you look that up on Rotten Tomatoes, I'm sure that has like 15%. Yeah. But like, they're great. So they're great. You have to know what you're getting into. Very true. That is the rom Maybe rom-coms need to be graded on a curve. Exactly. Or not. A, they just need to be rated by people who love rom-coms. Like, I don't think that like Roger Ebert is like the audience for a rom-com. Yeah. <laughs> like, Rest in peace, Roger Ebert. Right. Oh, okay. That's crazy. My, <laughs> like, who's a famous critic today? Owen Gleiberman, I don't know. I, you know, it's, I mean, yeah, I just, I think that there are, the women reviewers tend to be, I mean, the people who review movies tend to like really serious or like really artsy films. Yes, a bit more uh, filmmaker driven films that, right. you know, like, I mean, they're, they're, most rom-coms don't have an artistic style to them. They're very no. much, they're very much story character driven versus yeah you what know, you like, see is what you get there's yeah, no hidden like it's meaning not, there's no you're rarely watching it for cinematography <laughs> no. and that kind of stuff. I mean there are obviously I mean people could say yeah, Annie, uh, Hall. Annie Hall or uh, 500 Days of Summer yes um, even I mean I really enjoy the last one that I think like was a really good rom-com was uh, Crazy Stupid Love I loved that movie yeah, yeah right I love, I love me some Daddy Goss right but <laughs> exactly <laughs> Well, uh, we're ta- we're talking rom coms, but let's let's talk food for a little bit. Um, I mean, h- how long? What wh- what 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 shall I call? You're a food you're a food host, right? You have your own show. You're yeah. an author. Yeah, I know. This is trying to. You should try What's to talk to my parents when they're like trying to describe like what is it that you do for a living? Yeah, I I don't know. Sometimes I say food journalist, which sounds a bit boring and lame, but that's yeah, oh, food host, the, yeah. author. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I host a show on NYC Life, um, which is a local station in New York that's all about food in New York, which is great because it basically means that my job is to talk to people about food and learn about food. Yeah, it's great. It's, you know, it's not the worst (laughs) job. Um, And then I am a cookbook author. I wrote a book called Bring It, which is all about potlucks and picnics and casual entertaining. It's Mm -hmm. all kind of food that you can make ahead. 
Um, yeah, bring it. Tried and true recipes for potlucks and casual entertaining. Exactly. I did not come up with that logline, but I like yeah. it though. <laughs> yes, it tests well. well so, and <laughs> so potluck. What? I have an idea what a potluck is. Tell tell foodie fans, maybe for people that don't know exactly what a potluck is. Yeah, well, I think a potluck is really almost any dinner party that we throw now because okay. a potluck is just a dinner where more than one person prepares something. So okay. I think there's this view of potlucks, like it's something in like a church basement, like a sad <laughs> thing where like everyone's bringing like casserole dishes. Yeah. But actually, like I like to think of a potluck really as any dinner party where you allow friends to bring something. So if somebody brings the dessert then great it's a potluck now would it be off to to also add to that that they're not exactly of the same cuisine or can a potluck be like if you said everyone bring some kind of italian dishes that's that's still that's still a potluck potluck. yeah i mean i think really a potluck when you have to think about potluck food it's really any kind of food that you would make that needs to be served in a communal setting of some kind Mm -hmm. so you know, the book, Bring It has a lot of recipes that you could make, you know, yourself for dinner on any random weeknight, yeah. but it's it's really, it's all food that also has instructions for, like, if you wanted to make this ahead, or if you need to make it for a group, or if you need mm-hmm. to serve it at room temperature. So those are the kinds of things that you have to think about with a potluck um, that are slightly different than, you know, with just, like, I'm cooking dinner for myself on a Tuesday. Sure. I I really liked on, I think I read it on your website, it said that you're pretty obsessed with the intersection between cooking that is both easy and impressive looking. Yes. (laughs) So I I, I like that. Like, so it's, you know, right? So easy, but impressive looking. So tell me, like, what... I mean, what obviously, what goes into that then? So. Yeah, I mean, I'm a really lazy cook, and I like to make people think that I'm a great cook without <laughs> doing that much. Um, and I suspect that most other people are as well. Like, I see sometimes people, like, you know, I, I have a friend who on Instagram the other day spent three days making babka, and that was amazing. And wow. I wish I could be that person, but I am not that person. <laughs> I'm, I'm a person who buys babka. Um, and doesn't make it, but I like. But to, you know the right place to buy Bob. Def- oh, Brad's, ba- the- Brad's, Brad's Bakery by oh, far. Okay, is, shout is out the- to Brad's Bakery. Yeah, shout out to Brad's Bakery. <laughs> Don't get Bob from anywhere else. But you know, I think that most of us are just people who like to cook, but also don't want to spend the entire day cooking. Or, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and I think that's why things like the Instant Pot have been so successful because people want something that feels special. Yes. But without so much effort. So the recipes that I do are really things that look beautiful and impressive or have sort of some hint of a flavor that maybe you don't recognize, but didn't actually take that long to make. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I have like an, an egg salad in the book, right? And, you know, the secret to that egg salad is like there's a little bit of tarragon in it which makes people think oh like what is that flavor but like you can get tarragon at any supermarket and then it also has like roe on top of it like you know so it's like eggs on eggs Mm -hmm. um so that's like feels a little fancy you know when if you're bringing it over to somebody's house versus like if you were just going to make a salad for yourself um and then there's other things in the book like there's a ginger beef recipe that just has this sauce that's like ginger and scallions and soy sauce and it's just so full of flavor that everyone mm-hmm. thinks it's like a really <laughs> difficult thing to make, but it's actually like very simple and you can make it ahead and serve it at room temperature. So that's kind of my that's wheelhouse is nice. things that are easy, but yeah, that 
people will ask you for the recipe. I like it. I'm, I love throwing dinner parties and uh, just, you know, I had a holiday party and just so much you know, food. You know, I I made something. It was, I guess, it was. Hey, it was a potluck. I had a potluck. Exactly. You know, so That's a potluck. <laughs> what got you into food? You know, was it family? Was it a self journey, or what? You know. Oh, my mom hates this question because oh. I always say it's because she can't cook. So oh. my mom is my mom is, um, my mom is a lawyer and she's an excellent lawyer and she's won every award in the book, but she's not an amazing cook. And my grandmother, her mother, was a great cook, so mm-hmm. I learned from her. And then I learned just from the necessity of wanting to have more home-cooked meals. You know, I had a nanny growing up who taught me how to cook. And, you know, so between her and my grandmother, I just became very interested in it. I liked, I, you know, I have always loved food. And I yeah. grew up in Charleston, which now is a big foodie destination. But at the time... Um, it was not, and there, really? yeah, there were really not a lot of restaurants, and there wasn't a lot going on, so it wasn't like I had access to, you know, and there wasn't, you know, I'm going to age myself, but like there wasn't the internet, uh, <laughs> you know, so it was really cookbooks, like my mom had a few cookbooks, and, mm-hmm. you know, so I had cookbooks, I had my grandmother, I had my nanny, and I just... You know, that makes me sound very fancy. My nanny. Um, (laughs) But yeah, you know, it was just like, I just found it really fascinating. And I liked, and I always liked manipulating recipes to see sort of how I could tweak them. So it was kind of an early love. That's awesome. And I saw that so you, you've lived in Scotland and Paris and Mumbai and you're obsessed with Italy. Yeah. And I that, never, and now I've you're never. living in New York. So all pretty excellent food destinations. Yes. How did that, how did that like living in those places, how did that sculpt you and what ultimately brought you to New York? Yeah. I mean, I, I think anyone who loves food, you have to live in other places because when yeah. you travel somewhere, it's, it's just such a little blip. And when you live somewhere else, you, you get outside your own food culture. I mean, I grew up in the South, which has a very specific food culture. And my mother's from Rhode Island. So I kind of, I grew up with like Southern food culture and New England food culture. Ooh, and that was North kind meets of, South. yeah, North, North a meets true South. true internal very, civil war. It's very <laughs> exciting. I know our cousins, we had a, you know, lots of fights about it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I grew up with very specific food cultures. And, you know, when I, I went to college in Scotland, which, Um, You know, people think like Scottish food is not a real cuisine, but (laughs) it's actually, you know, there's so much there and there's so much history and there's so much pride. And it's funny to think like of a culture that we don't associate with food. I mean, that now is getting a lot more acclaim for its food, Sure. um, but hasn't been traditionally like a food culture that people have sought out. No, people just think of haggis it's all haggis yeah which you know i don't know any average scottish person that eats haggis on the (laughs) daily um although i mean special occasions yes and i have a fondness for haggis that you know is because due to my roommate's whiskey sauce which was really excellent um which that sounds like a stereotype of like my scottish roommate and her whiskey sauce um but you know i think that that really broadened my horizons you know i spent a summer living in paris and that, you know, I I didn't travel a lot as a kid. So when I was older, I think that's kind of why I wanted to go to school abroad, because I just, I felt like I I needed to learn. And, you know, you just, you, there's so many things that we see as a stereotype of a cuisine here, you know, like French food here means a certain thing. But then when you're in Paris, you realize 
that not only does French food go off in so many different directions, yeah. but then French interpretations of other cuisines, you know, how Americans interpret Japanese cuisine oh, might be okay, different yeah. than how Parisians interpret it. And so you start to see the world through so many lenses. Well, that's, yeah, that's the great thing when you have these cultures that start fusing together. Yes. Like I, I forget what food show I was watching and they were really highlighting the, uh, large Vietnamese population in like Houston and yes. New Orleans and how they started changing up like crawfish recipe. It might have been David Chen. It might have been, yeah, Ugly Delicious that I was watching. Yeah, that makes sense. And yeah, <laughs> and, uh, and so they were just, you know, like crawfish, like what a, you know, like that is the South, you know, that is, yeah. or, you know. The Gulf, yeah, I should say, and very, you know, we cook it this specific way. But then, you know, Vietnamese have been starting to add their own little traditions to it, and people love it. Right, and uh, and it and it shifts because of, of what spices and things they can get here. I mean, today is we live in such a different world because now you can get almost anything. But when you think about like a Vietnamese immigrant in the seventies, probably moving to Houston, like their access to what they used to cook was probably minimal. So then it expands the cuisine. I mean, really all of American cuisine. I mean, if you think about Southern food, you know, there's been this huge debate around Southern food in recent years because, of course, most Southern food is really West African food. Um, You know, and then it's sort of how it's been adapted. And then we get into these questions of who does it belong to and how do we interpret it? But really, I think that's what's so amazing about food today is that, we can we have to give credit to where things develop but we also can cook any type of food and combine different flavors and mm-hmm. do things that we never were able to do before so it's it's really exciting because as people talk about food more the access to ingredients and sort of what you can do that you know especially like I lived in India for a year and that you know there were so many things even i mean that was almost 10 years ago i find that there's things now the access to ingredients now is so much better even than when I moved back and was like, I want to cook Indian food. And, you know, even just basic spices, like getting good turmeric. I mean, yeah, now you go to fairway or you, (laughs) and there's much better. Yeah. I mean, and there's a lot of specialty groups that are now focusing on those spices Mm -hmm. and ingredients. So it's, it's a really exciting time to cook. No, I like what you said as far as, you know, giving, you know, like, uh, props towards where you know like you know that it's west african and then you recognize oh but this was the spanish flair or you know if we're talking new orleans the french Mm -hmm. influence yeah but then that's what it's all about it's about our country being the melting pot that it is but at the same time respecting the roots and that without that we wouldn't we wouldn't have it right i mean the the idea of a of a cuisine coming out of a culture today is almost laughable because we don't have the isolation that is required for you know something to develop but I think that we sort of assume that cuisines are static you know people don't realize that like tomatoes have only been in Italy for you know a hundred years or so Mm -hmm. I mean and and people sort of assume that these that like Italian cuisine is a specific thing but it's always evolving and you know a lot of food has evolved you know over history because of the spice trade and the way that certain ingredients came so we're kind of just doing that now, but like on hyperspeed where we have all the ingredients. So, you know, all the cuisines are still evolving. I want you to 
continue like i want you to do like a travel show now that's what i'm, I'm sure I you mean, want to me say, too right <laughs> who's gonna pay for it i will join you <laughs> netflix what's up we're hitting <laughs> amazon what's going on one of you guys pick it up uh i was watching I, I love some of the you've been on you know tv for interviews and then you've interviewed people as well obviously for your show i was watching what you're on was that good morning i'm, I'm bad with them or the morning show oh my god with, so many. with hoda oh the today oh, show oh the today show yeah, i'm sorry show. yeah, yeah. <laughs> How could Hoda be on anything but the Today Show? <laughs> and uh, and also, I mean, you're on with uh, Harry Connick Jr. Oh yeah, he's a dream. He is a dream. What a you know nice Southern boy. He's so he's nice. He's just you know. Yeah, it's really a hunk hard. Of sausage. It's hard when you are a rom-com <laughs> fan and like Hope Floats is such a great movie yeah. with him, and I grew up on that. And then you know, yeah, just I get I, lost in his eyes. And, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's really hard because most you know, like most TV hosts are kind of like perky and they're not like you know whatever but yeah harry connick jr he really he's savory he's savory yeah uh and then uh we we mentioned your uh your book i mean you're you've been you've been nominated for an emmy tell us about that experience and just i mean you're you're very accomplished i'm so accomplished no (laughs) no mostly you know what's really great about working in new york is that uh everyone else is more accomplished than you are so it really helps to make you think that you've done nothing but i (laughs) i yeah you know i have this little (laughs) it has to be affirming though that you're doing something right yeah i mean i you know for me it's I, I like, you know, my show is really the kind of show that I want to watch. Okay. So it's not, um, you know, it's not a competition show. Mm-hmm. It's not um, high drama. It's really about learning about food. It's educational, but we like to have fun. Yeah. So I think for me, it's when people like it or when it's been recognized, it just makes me feel like I'm doing something right. Mm-hmm. Because that type of content is not as flashy. So if I have a cookbook author here teaching me about Persian food and we get to do a segment, you know, I get to do six minutes on what is Persian food and I get to educate people about that with somebody that's really interesting and engaging, I feel like I just have the best job in the world. So that for me is when when I've been lucky enough to be nominated, you know, I've never won an award. I've really been nominated for a lot of awards. So I like to think that's also fun too. I have a lot of like certificates. Um. But that's still, it's a very, that's a very high honor. And very again, you're, you're doing something that you love and people are responding yeah. very well to it. So. Yeah. Well, I think people, you know, I think that there's so many different types of food content, but I think that there's still always a desire to learn mm. and so I think that our show has done well I mean I'm on public television so the type of people who watch public television are people who like to learn and so I really guide my show with like what is it that I want to learn you know sometimes it's guided by I get a book in the mail that I'm really excited about you know a new cookbook or I see a new show but a lot of it is just I'm in a restaurant I taste something I'm like I really want to learn about that thing yeah, and what, yeah. So I think a lot of other people have that instinct. So I think hopefully that's why it resonates. No, that's what I always say, uh, that I love going out to eat because I love finding a new dish to challenge myself with and try to make it myself. Or yeah. just even try it and and even just figure out via my palate what, you know, what components are in this Right. Dish. And I like to say that somebody, people who 
claim to love food and they claim to know everything are probably the people who don't know anything because the <laughs> thing that you learn first if you work in food is that you don't know anything and that you really there's an endless world of things to know yeah. and you're never going to feel like you you might know a lot on a specific topic I mean I, I feel like I probably know more about throwing a potluck than most people because mm-hmm. I wrote a book about it I would I would hope that I've delved into that topic more but I mean there's just there's always something to learn in food and so it never gets boring it's like the one topic you never get bored by yeah food is a huge class that you I mean it's like history not everyone knows everything about history but you've got someone that's an expert on 20th century American history Yes, my dad writes history books as a hobby, right. so I... Got a history teacher and yeah. a, a lawyer. As well, they're both lawyers. Oh, both lawyers. Yeah, I, yeah. Can you imagine growing up the child of two lawyers? We have a lot of really <laughs> very focused arguments. But yeah, my dad is his like hobby. He writes history books, so... Oh. Yeah, I come from a family of nerds. That's why I work in public television. <laughs> I've all, I, I, I can't speak for everyone that's listening, but I love public television. I think that's, yeah. it's, you know great when there's quality programs that are being made such as yours on the thanks um well let's we, we we teased it before but let's get into uh you know no reservations it's the 2007 rom-com starring Catherine zeta jones and aaron eckhart yeah uh, don't you all remember it it was such a huge actually it made <laughs> a lot of money i was surprised i like looked up the box it office made, yeah it made a decent i was like money. is this a failure but it was like you know it was like a 30 million dollar budget and it made like a hundred million dollars so yeah, pr- yeah pretty good and uh the only the director scott hicks i only really recognize one other film he directed is that snow falling on cedars came yes. out in like the 90s and it was a big grand like romance yes I think it was about japanese internment camps if i'm yeah that's a fun topic yeah well this is so this is a rom-com but this deals with you know it's just it felt like a disney movie the mom dies in the beginning yeah. and it's oh, like yeah. he- heavy stuff, a lot of melancholy music. I actually That's watched true. it with the subtitles on, and it constantly said melancholy music. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, don't you love that interpretation yeah. of things? Yeah, it's a rom-com that has serious beginnings, but yeah. as long as it ends as a comedy, it can be a rom-com. I feel like most rom-coms, they have to start with some either magic or tragedy. Mm-hmm. I mean, no, yeah, like, what's the... There's a Kate Hudson... What's the Kate Hudson one where she... Her sister dies and she gets the kids. Oh. I don't know. Yeah. yeah there's always like a sister who always, dies yeah. or somebody dies and then, you know, and then they find their true selves. Yeah. They're a man. And I feel like and we've got a young <laughs> Abigail Breslin in this movie. I feel like she always plays those. Isn't she in a movie with Ryan Reynolds called Definitely Maybe or something yeah. like that? Yeah. She's always like the precocious she, kid. Yeah. And she didn't know who her mom was in that one. And right. Well, that's why she doesn't have a career as much anymore. Maybe she does. Maybe I'm speaking out of turn, but I feel like I she, feel was like she a, was in something recently. Something yeah. Successful. But she was like the quintessential kid. Yeah. At, you know, and it's like, you need like a smart kid in your movie? Call Abigail Breslin. <laughs> yeah. It was like her and like Dakota Fanning for like kind of yes. before her. Yeah, like who is that now? We need Yeah. We need that today. Maybe that girl from um Blackish cuz I just saw she has a rom-com. Oh. Or it's not a rom-com. She has a comedy coming out. So maybe she can take up that mantle. We need those precocious kids. Yeah, we need precocious <laughs> kids, and I'm certainly not going to let my kid do it. So <laughs> 
Um, so what drew? So you, we, before we started recording, it was like right before you, you said like that you hadn't seen this movie before. I thought yeah. you. I thought I kind of figured that you did since you just you you solely chose this based upon knowing that it's a rom-com. Love of rom-coms, Love yeah. of rom-coms. Okay. I, you know, I thought I had seen it, but I, <laughs> this is how bad it is, is that I assume that I, if I've seen the trailer for something, <laughs> that it's so, forget, you know, rom-coms are often so forgettable in their plots sure. that, um, yeah, I mean. Or this, just that generic that you think. Exactly, you know. but no, I hadn't, I hadn't seen it before, which is surprising because it is a rom-com about mm-hmm. food. Because this isn't like tangentially related to food. I mean, she is a chef, so I would have thought, yeah, this was a really good movie for me. Why do you think, I'm, I'm discovering, you know, when, I, when trying to figure out how many food movies, you know, according to my rules to, to cover on this podcast, uh, you know, I, I started thinking about it. I'm like, there's a lot of rom-com yeah. food movies. Why do you think that is? What do you think connects the two? Well, first of all, I think it has to do with montages. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Cooking but, yeah. and eating montages go really well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, rom-coms, a really poorly written but excellent rom-com needs to have montages because they don't want to flesh out the characters enough. But then we uh. can pretend like we're seeing them connect without actually having yes. to have dialogue to do that food <laughs> I think helps with that yeah I mean I think I listen like I think food also is universal so I mean mm-hmm. it's any movie about regular people which rom-coms like to pretend like they're about regular people when they're actually about sort of fictitious versions of especially New York people right sure. like magazine yeah. editors and architects yes. and chefs with you know, as Catherine Zeta-Jones has two-bedroom apartments with a, you know, office in the West Village. Like, I mean, these are like fake versions of reality. But, yeah, food is always in real people's lives, you know, because it's not a movie about, you know, most rom-coms are not about Japanese internment camps or um, very dramatic, you know, moments in history. They're usually centered around regular people yeah. flung into sort of romantic situations. So food comes with that. Yeah, and I, I, I like, I mean, what, what, did, what did you like about this film? Because there were certain things that I think that, I mean, without being a professional in the food industry, that I, I thought that they kind of did a good job with, such yeah. as like showing like the staff meals and discussing the menu, even like the plating and just her taking like little nibbles or little tastes because, yes, I, th- you know, that's something I feel like, that. well, at least that I always hear from chefs that that's, you know, you don't have to follow a menu exact. You're just, you're tasting as it goes and just, you know. That. Yes. I, um, so it was funny after I watched the movie, I looked it up cause I was like, they must've had some, somebody consulting on this. And yeah. actually Michael White was like oh. taught them how to, you know, some knife skills and, mm-hmm. um, and they had, um, and the, the people that you see in the kitchen were actually like, you know, real, line cooks or students which is why they have no lines which I found was kind of a funny detail like yeah there's only a few there's I guess she has her sous chef that ends up being pregnant right the people the the real characters but the actual background line line cooks cooks are real um I think maybe students from like the culinary institute or something Mm -hmm. like that um so I I, yeah and I I liked you know it was a I mean other than the leads, the all white leads, the kitchen staff, I felt was a fairly 
accurate, diverse portrayal. And even at yeah. one point, I think the sous chef was speaking Spanish. Oh, yeah. I heard definitely some Spanish being you know, s- yeah, so spoken. I is, felt like yeah. that part, you know, the waitress, like, reading lines in the freezer. I mean, I, they had a lot of, like, cute little kitchen moments that yes. felt very real to me. I, there were some that didn't. I wrote down, I, you know, throughout the movie, I was writing down the things <laughs> that, like, didn't. But, yeah, none of it was really in the kitchen. It was, like, you know, her bringing scallops in Tupperware to her therapist. Like that no, was, yeah. no chef would bring scallops. Like, <laughs> you know, um, yeah, the chef played by uh, Bob Balaban. Yeah. The therapist. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. It, the therapist. Exactly. Sorry. Yeah. I love, like, and I love the scene with like the, the truffle guy, you know, yes. he felt, I mean, other than that, he wouldn't be worried about like the cops, but I mean, yeah. I liked that they had this sort of character of, cause I feel like in restaurants, that's also like the suppliers who come in or yes. their own subculture. And I liked that, when like Aaron Eckhart's character bought groceries, it was from Cinderella, you know, which is <laughs> like, like I felt like there were a lot of those really good little moments that worked. I, you know, so I, there were other chefy moments like her being the one going to the fish market, which South Street Seaport at that time, I don't think existed anymore. Uh, yeah, I don't think it existed anymore. Because it's right? like really the Hunts Point market, which is not, which you is not glamorous. I mean, I've shot, there and it is not a beautiful place to shoot video because it is inside a warehouse so so it was nice I mean listen like you wouldn't want to see her in a warehouse so it was a nice touch but I don't know of any chef who wakes up at 4 30 in the morning to go check their fish like they should have a fish supplier that they trust who purchases their fish I mean I mean most of the big restaurants do like Efferazzo and Sons where they like even I mean I think something like 80 or 90 percent of restaurants of the high-end restaurants even get their fish filleted i heard that once from oh wow um the guys at Afrazo. so i yeah i I, I mean and that's like super nitty-gritty stuff well she is a control freak right and that and it was funny a lot of those things yeah i was like well that's sort of how we see her you know yeah typical rom-com woman character of like she needs to be opened up she's a control freak so yeah that's true that fits with her character yeah and so yeah it fits with her character and i think that at the same time that they're balancing the now that you know there's a genre of just like food film isn't like its own genre really right. but it is dealing with you know kind of making like a a food or a kitchen accurate film with the rom-com right they did a pretty good job balancing that like or just showing you again like oh you go to them you know might not be your head chef or something like that but sometimes i mean like they do like the end all be all reason that as far as film wise that like i started this podcast is for the film chef you know john favreau yeah and i love in that movie when he goes to the market and he's with his son and he's just like you know or one scene he's by himself and he's just saying to the people like i use the end of the carrot so they gotta be you know they gotta have pretty ends to them and he's just or he's walking through and he's just like i'm just getting an idea for the menu mm-hmm. and like that is definitely more accurate than obviously your head chef going to the fish market. And, and I do see chefs at, like I live right by the Union Square Farmer's Market, so mm-hmm. I go very early in the morning sometimes, um, especially on weekends because I have a small child. But I, I have run into chefs that I know at the farmer's market. So that isn't, uh, you know, most most restaurants, it's not, you know, they have somebody who does that, yeah. but I've certainly seen it. So it's not so... You know, far-fetched. Far, yeah, it's not the most far-fetched thing in the world. So, yeah, but the fish, I mean, because fish, it's so early and they, whatever. But, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it fits with her character, yeah. you know, her chefy character. And I liked, you know, while the movie didn't have diversity, 
I did like that, you know, she's a female head chef because we don't often see that depicted in film. I mm -hmm. think most chefs in film are men and, you know, unfortunately in real life also most head chefs are also men, but mm -hmm. there are plenty of women chefs and honestly most of the chefs that I know who are women do have romantic issues so it, that part is not perfect. <laughs> it, uh, the screenwriter for this uh, Sandra Nettlebeck is actually the same uh, writer for the film Mostly Martha which this film is based off of it's a, Ger it's a German film yes and which is a film that we'll definitely cover on this podcast eventually but I just thought you know it was cool that yeah I mean that's that they brought this film over here I don't know how much um, it'll be interesting. Maybe I'll have you back on to discuss that one too. Maybe yeah. we'll mostly Martha, and uh, and we'll see how it changed. Maybe we made it too sappy rom commy here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But uh, but we yeah, so she's so do do we like our characters in this film? We've got the controlled, you know, like uh, Catherine Zeta Jones, head chef. She doesn't really have she doesn't have anyone in her life besides she has a sister, and her sister has uh, what would we place her as? A eight year old not nine, eight or nine yeah. year old daughter yeah and and that's that that's kind of it and they live they don't live in new york and Catherine zeta jones is a chef in in the village what was it, it was even 22 bleaker 22 bleaker yeah yeah and carol or something like that yeah it's like bleaker and i wrote it down somewhere but charles or oh, bleaker yeah. and yeah grove or something like that but and then we have our incomes she takes her leave of absence doesn't even want to comes back in uh, you know yeah, I think her like sister dies day. she's kind yeah. of forced to take a leave of absence to it adapt yeah. this kid this precocious abigail breslin and by the is this the is this the owner of the restaurant Pat patricia clarkson yes patricia she, clarkson yeah. who I, is so great i love her in anything she does and yes. she was she's a little underused here but well, she was. We covered a film uh, called Simply Irresistible, another rom com. Did you ever see that? Sarah no. Michelle Gellar. Oh, no. Yeah. That's, I need to Not see a that. good movie. It's got a magical crab, though, <laughs> if you like magical crabs. <laughs> well, uh, that I doesn't could. sound good. No. Uh, <laughs> you but, don't want to get magical crabs. No, you don't want to get magical <laughs> crabs. Uh, but uh, she was in that film and very underutilized in this film. She has a bit more to chew off in this film as far as, like, the, the drama and just yes. her conversations. I kept wondering if maybe there were like a couple of deleted scenes because I, you know, her motivations, it, that was the other thing. So, I mean, you know, the film, yeah, I mean, Aaron Eckhart comes in, you know, woos Captain Zeta Jones, but he's a sous chef and we're supposed to believe he's like scared to be an executive chef of his own yes. restaurant. But I mean, I you know, in the world of today, and this movie was 2007. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, this was also still happening. Like, the chef of your restaurant is an important part of your restaurant. You wouldn't bring in a sous chef without your chef's knowledge. You wouldn't offer them a job to take over without their knowledge. I mean, uh, it, there were some yeah. things in there th that was kind of, and again, those were all the plot points, so that was important. But even if you say, okay, that's unrealistic, but let's keep it as a movie, I, with Patricia Clarkson, it, it didn't really, yeah, I, I would I would have liked like one or two more scenes of her character like, being frustrated with her or yeah. having her investors get mad at her or having some reason for it. Well, we see... But it's a rom-com. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, we, she, she is... Patricia Clarkson's character is underdeveloped. We, we get a sense of the tension in the film and, well, actually, uh, I'll play the, the last scene that takes place in 22 Bleaker where she brings out the stakes. So we'll play, we'll play that scene for you guys. But that's... Uh, well, we'll discuss it after we play that. 
guy at table seven said if he wanted it cremated, he wouldn't have asked for it rare. That is rare. Apparently not rare enough. Any rarer to walk out of here and hail a cab. Look, these are ad agency people. They spend a lot of money here. No tantrums tonight, just fire another one. All right, one rare steak on the fly. Rare steak on the fly. Where's the lamb for six? Has a clear. Great, Chef. Pick up. Shireen Capaccio. I'm the asshole on seven again. He wants to know whether you've ever seen a rare steak before. I'm in therapy. I'm so sorry. Uh, I'll, uh, I'll get you a new tablecloth. Oh, no, please, let me take care of that. It's <laughs> oh, not bad. Oh. That felt so good. So in that scene, another customer, this happened at least, what, one other time in the film? Yeah. And she's, and then Patricia Clarkson's character has said, like, you got to stop doing that. So that's where some of their... Tension, tension comes comes from, from right. that you have this talented head chef in Wilco and the character's name is Kate, but she has I guess anger, anger right? she's, issues. Anger issues. She's yeah. she's even she's she is going to therapy. Yes. And she's talking about Balaban and forced into therapy. Yeah, forced. He's not a very good therapist. No, yeah, that's I mean I, I've I've never been to a therapist, but I was just like a little curious in his. I mean, right. she, she's even questioning his. Yeah, she questions him too. (laughs) You're a horrible therapist. Yeah. But, yeah, but there still wasn't really enough, again, to understand exactly why Patricia Clarkson was, like, going behind, again, hiring a Sue without, like, saying, hey, during your leave of absence, like, I don't think, because then I didn't write down the character's name, but Kate's Sue's chef. Yeah, pregnant Pregnant Sue. Sue Pregnant Sue. Pregnant Sue. uh, You know, maybe she, you know, like, didn't you know have enough oomph to keep the kitchen going in this week's time or whatever? But also, it's going to be a week's time. Right. So then they bring in another Sue that is talented enough to be a head chef and has gotten offers. Right, right. Like that, that felt. But yeah. but this is what is great about rom coms is that you don't have to think about that mm-hmm. and you just accept. Like yeah. you have to go into a rom com accepting. I mean, let's like this is a rom com where in the trailer you see. Catherine Zeta-Jones and Aaron Eckhart get together, right? So, like, yeah. you know, like, you There's know. No this There's no mystery to this There's no mystery. So, it's, it's like, we can pick it apart, but we can also just acknowledge, like, the genre is, we're really, like, why are you watching this movie? Well, you're watching it to, you know, feel warm and fuzzy about yeah, two just, people falling in love. So, yeah, like, how they... people go on a journey. Exactly. So, it's like, it. you know, I think sometimes it doesn't make sense. Because even the best rom-coms, like, there are parts of it that just, it never makes sense, right? Because yeah. real life is not like a rom-com. So... Well, there was, like, there was a bit, there isn't mystery to the film. But, the, like, there were a few times I was like, oh, I wonder what's going to happen here. Because I, I had not seen this film either. But, again, it was something that I'm like, oh, have I have I seen? Right. Like, you know. But uh, but Aaron Eckhart, his big thing, so his character's named Nick. And he's just a free spirit and loves playing opera music in right. the kitchen. He's, he wasn't classically trained. He just, just like you, loves everything. Italy, you know, love, is, you know, obsessed with Italy. Yeah. And 
I don't know, a, 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 a former, a past lover's father taught him how to cook and all this. Right. But he comes in, he's just like, I wanted to work with you. I understand, like, obviously it's a small world in, you know, the in the cooking, in the kitchen, you know, culture. Yeah. And everyone does know one other, but there was a bit more, like, I don't know, I thought something more was going to come from that. Yes, like they... he is very underdrawn. I thought that actually she, I liked her character. I mean, yeah. I, I felt like she was drawn decently well for a rom-com heroine. Mm. You know, she has a real job. That job is portrayed in a realistic way. Yeah. Unlike, you and know, she's good at her job. She's good at her job. Good, and, yeah. you know, she is consistent throughout. Whereas Aaron Eckhart's character has come into sort of like need. And maybe it's that his casting, like I, I wonder if like he is not the best leading man. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I was sort of wondering like, you know, he does really well as like a sub character. Like I loved him and Aaron Brockovich as mm-hmm. her husband, but like, yeah, I'm not sure he can carry a movie in the way that he was supposed to in this film. Well, he's a bit more like as far as I mean, he, his real breakout was thank you for smoking the the jason reitman film and he's very you know he's the lead in that but that he's you know crass in that film he's a like he's a smart ass he's you know it's not maybe that's like the best kind of character that he can play not to take away from the acting no he's not like swoony and i don't know what it is like there's something about like certain men can be rom-com heroes yeah because they have they are not so romantic that they make you feel sick, but they have <laughs> sort of like the devil may care thing that yeah. you get with almost all rom-com guys. And you've got the sense that, is it Nick? Yeah. Is his character? Yeah, like I've already forgotten his name. Like Nick is supposed to be kind of like, oh, he plays opera. Like he's so devil may care. He like makes up a story about his dying grandmother to trick her. Ha ha. Like, but I don't know. I didn't. I didn't find him as charming. It almost felt like, she like she's like a better catch than him you know (laughs) yeah it's like uh, she could do better and it just it just it just felt odd him showing up and then he's just like every everything's right with him too like he's not really flawed like his flaw is what that he doesn't have much self-confidence right or maybe or he's too much of a free spirit that he doesn't want to be the boss no yeah i think we're supposed to believe that like he's he's scared of being an executive chef but like why and that's not really explained yeah so it would have almost been better to just make him a free spirit full stop like i don't want to be an executive chef because i don't like responsibility or whatever which could have then changed when he met this tiny girl that he loved being a father figure to or whatever yeah there were like other ways to go about it and yeah it's hard to know if it's like the script i yeah i i find that there are some movies that i watch and and you see this with rom-coms what's great about rom-coms today is that we now have the internet so we can see how women are responding to male leads like the netflix comedy to all the boys i've ever loved before like the guy that was in that rom-com the lead he went from having like 50,000 Twitter followers to like 10 million or like Instagram followers mm-hmm. within like a week of that movie coming out <laughs> like you can see like the visceral reaction that women have to yeah. some men as leads and I like I don't know there was just something about him like I'm I'm a very rational person who also loves rom-coms so like yeah. I yeah like he just He's a very handsome guy, and he's a very good actor, sure. but I didn't... I don't know. There was something about him that I didn't... Like, I really enjoyed it. I would watch it again. Mm-hmm. I would watch most rom-coms again, but <laughs> I... 
Yeah, I don't know. He, I, I wouldn't like choose him in my like. If you were gonna to do like, you know, like a swap in internet boyfriend kind of person for yeah, like we're talking about Ryan Gosling. Like there yeah. are people I think that could have played that role better. Sort of people who I mean, like I, you know, it's almost like a like a Heath Ledger who no, you know, obviously is no longer with us. But I mean, there are people who sort of have that like roguish character mm -hmm. or even like, you know, Bradley Cooper who did a great job in Burnt. whatever, Burnt. Yeah, like, you yeah. know, he played a chef before so he could do that again. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah, I think there are people who are better at that like, I don't know. Yeah, it felt like they couldn't get, like they didn't want to have the budget for like a more expensive guy <laughs> so they got Aaron. Yeah, I just felt like, there. yeah, there's, Catherine Zia-Jones' character is pretty well-defined and then, I mean, Abigail Breslin does a very good job. But I guess as far as uh, Patricia Clarkson, Aaron Eckhart, the therapist, uh, like, they're not really well-defined characters. Fleshed and, and, yeah, fleshed out. And I almost think that it would have been better if Aaron Eckhart was just her sous chef from the beginning. So we know that there was, a, like, a history between them. Yeah. And but then, But then the problem is when she leaves... That like then he's offered her job and like yeah. I don't know just something a bit more he just seemed to for, for for this genre or she even has that really nice neighbor like the Irish guy with the two it felt so bad yeah it felt that so neighbor like and then even they just toss him in at the end of the film like at their at the at the restaurant having like yeah, breakfast like, with his kids what is that like oh it's like, all okay but he yeah. was rejected because he's eating breakfast yeah, he's like nice and like watches you know they should have had a woman with him or they should have had him with like the actress waitress or something like yeah, they should have just, like paired him off with someone yeah, i was exactly. expecting them yeah in a in a better rom-com you would have seen him at breakfast with the actress waitress something. snuggled up with his kids and feeling or he very got back together with his wife or something like that yeah i, know. I know he was well you're, you're sort of like the first scene with him i was like oh he's a creep right yeah and then it's like oh no he's actually a really no, he, sweet guy yeah. who she just isn't attracted to like, yeah he, br he, br he brings her thai food he watches yeah. Zoe for her. I know, and, and then she like shows up like wasted with Aaron Eckhart. Like, yeah, rude. and and like and he makes a he makes he miss, oh you must not live in the building. Yeah, let's give a spin off with that guy. Yeah. He needs a movie. This is a nice Irish brogue. Yeah, guy yeah. with his twins. Yeah, raising his kids. Yeah, he deserved better. Nice single dad. <laughs> yeah, poor guy. <laughs> Who had a nice, like, knitting babysitter for her. Yeah, also the babysitter, the goth babysitter. Oh, yeah, that was That the, is so unrealistic. That was the <laughs> that was the first uh, role, the debut of Zoe uh, Kravitz, Lenny Kravitz's daughter. I was wondering that. Yeah, yeah. I, like, oh, she looks very familiar. But she, yeah, like, if you hire an agency to say, I mean, I don't know, this is like, now this is like me and mom mode. Like, if you, <laughs> like, paying an agency is very expensive. If you did that, you would not get a goth child. Bringing, like, <laughs> yeah. morbid books to read. Yeah, like, like decomposing bot decomposing yeah, bodies Ebola. or something like that. Oh, that was a like nice touch. Yeah. Were, were there were there any scenes that you you enjoyed in this film like that particularly stood out to you? I liked, you know, I liked, um, I, I I really liked Abigail Breslin and the pizza and their little pizza safari thing. Oh yeah, that was that felt yeah. very true to like being a kid, you know, yeah, because I, I the imagination. I, yeah, I mean, I have a three year old, so I'm not at that depth of things yet but okay. I find that the way that he combines food with like pizza with safari just felt like such a kid like thing I, I, I just I, I don't know I liked I really liked that and I also liked you know I, I found that I found him more romantic when Abigail Breslin was there like the things that he did 
I mean, some of that was like a little too fast. Like now we're taking pictures in a photo booth. Like, yeah. dear God, you've met her for five seconds. But like when he's like, oh, I'm going to kiss you in front of your aunt now. And she's like, like I thought like those moments yeah. were cute. Like there were a lot it's, of cute. Moments. It's really, it's really sweet how he, she's really not eating. And again, I mean, Catherine's age, that was yes. the one thing that was just like, yeah, don't cook her. Like there was like, like I, uh, like like a brand, you know, like like a full fish in front of her, yeah. like a branzino or something like that. Like, yeah. it's, <laughs> like and it's like, oh, and she's not eating. Right, like the like, yeah. So that's funny. Yeah, like he, I loved the scene, the spaghetti. the spaghetti scene. I think was yeah. You know, I think Aaron Eckhart probably had better chemistry with Abigail Breslin than he did with Catherine Zeta Jones because yes. those scenes, like that spaghetti scene, was so touching and lovely and just, you know when you think about a child facing loss, I think one of the other things that was played nicely in the film was, you know, they didn't dwell too much on it, but they did give her enough scenes that were made it seem believable. Like, yes, this kid is adapting to her new life, but she also really misses her mother. um, You know, in the the beginning I was like, are they just going to skip over the fact that her mom died? And then they had a few really nice scenes and that spaghetti scene is so touching and like the way that he plays that like it it yeah I, I thought that was a really beautiful like oh smell the basil and then oh here just hold on to this and then yeah she first eats it rips and, up the basil it gets her involved and then right like that scene could have been really lame and it actually was very touching and yeah. sweet um just looking at my notes just uh <clears throat> you know like it it, it it is it has the cliche moments of you know like the you know, forgetting the kid and the yeah. <laughs> but you know, I actually, um, I have done that before. <laughs> I've forgotten. No, you know, I pick up my son on Fridays. Like I, I take Friday afternoons off with him, and mm-hmm. I have had a couple of times where like I'm, I'm, I'm working and I'm doing something, and then I look up and I, I've had to like call the school and be like, I'm gonna be 15 minutes late because I forgot. Like I sometimes, if I start working on a Friday afternoon, I set an alarm for myself. So I think that you know, I have to say like, <laughs> for moms who work, mm-hmm. I, I think like that actually, yeah, it is a cliche. Yeah. But um, but I, I don't know there. It's, I mean, I've never, I've never left my kids sitting out on a stoop in the winter, <laughs> thankfully. But I, I, I've certainly, and especially, you know, I think, um, I think the fact that she, I did really like how they played. You know, she's not close to this child. I mean, it's, it's, no. it's, it's implied that they don't really know each other very well. Yeah, she even she asked her and, what's her favorite color. Right, and I think that their adjustment to each other is. In other rom-coms, it would be, like, hammered in sort of more obvious ways. And I felt like there were actually some very nice scenes of kind of the two of them getting to, yeah. you know, when she says, what's your favorite color? And she says, you know, you don't have to do this. You don't have to try so hard. <laughs> I mean, I, like, some of those, yeah, I mean, maybe it's, that like, the Abigail Breslin scenes read nicer than the actual romance itself but I, I thought some of that was really you know when you have a movie that's like an hour and 45 minutes and you can only delve in so much like yeah. I thought that they did a nice job with some of those things so I guess what we're, so everyone has really good chemistry with Abigail Breslin yeah. right She's like that's excellent. that's the, the like the love for the child and like wanting yeah. to make the child feel like and that's I mean that is a very important part of the movie and yeah. I mean they do become this 
like unit. family unit uh and yeah. they even open up it i think it was that the scene that you said you really liked with the uh, camping and the safari and stuff like that yeah. that she suggests right. opening up a restaurant it would be called nick and kate and yeah. zoe's and yeah i love that actually i have to say like there were some little touches that i felt like were really things that are memorable which mm-hmm. sometimes you know like magical crabs like sometimes things yeah. are memorable for the wrong reasons but <laughs> I will remember this movie more than I thought I would because of little things like that and like there's a scene at the end where she like changes the signage yeah it's like a so, little triangle a little triangle yeah. with all of their names to kind of show like that they I mean let's get aside the fact like the child labor flagrant violations sure. of her being a waitress in the restaurant but I thought that was really like a sweet way mm-hmm. to end it um, although they took over the little owl space and I would never want little owl to close so I hope that doesn't actually <laughs> come to fruition but yeah I thought that was a sweet little touch at the end of them yeah. actually opening their restaurant and you know it's kind of cute and I will always remember that tiramisu in Italian means food of the gods but not really it <laughs> means uh, pick pick me up yeah that's what it means well I also like that she's like I'm not a dessert person and then she like eats a ton of tiramisu (laughs) like I'm Captain but also you know I thought that was also a good portrayal because they they had little subtle hints like to why she's so thin and beautiful and it was like oh I don't eat the staff meal or I'm not a huge dessert person and you know I mean I, I certainly know some chefs that are thin and some that are as beautiful as Catherine Zeta-Jones but uh, you know it's they they did yeah those little character development things that made her feel true you know because I'm not I'm not a huge dessert person either and I get a lot of crap from people being like oh you work in food how are you so thin you know and it's like Mm. well I don't eat all the terrible you know like I try to eat healthily and I don't eat those you know so that I you know felt I don't know. Yeah, there were some very nice touches on her character, I thought, that made her feel real. How do we, in the end of the day, what do we think of the title? No reservations. I mean, reservations means, you know, limiting and and, uh, withholding. Yeah. So there's no limiting or no withholding. It makes it hard to Google because of Bourdain. Yes, I too. (laughs) But no, I thought it was a nice... And a pun, obviously. Yeah, I I mean, I think a rom-com title that has a pun in it is really, and, and, you know, multiple (laughs) meanings, I think. Yeah, I mean, I would say that, like, this is a film that, like, if you like rom-coms, you will like this movie. If you don't like rom-coms, it's probably not the movie for you because it it really follows a lot of rom-com tropes and it's it's a very surface level movie but it's it's a very enjoyable movie and you also like you don't have to be scared like you know he's not going to move to san francisco like you know you know (laughs) his apartment looked awesome by the way yeah i mean let's also talk about their apartments like this is so (laughs) ridiculous every chef that has a restaurant in the west village they do not live in the west village they don't live i mean because she says oh we're we're with a walking distance of the restaurant and then her apartment is like Two bedrooms, magnificent, huge yeah. office, nice kitchen, dining area. I mean that I get it, but like they could have had her like live in Bushwick in that apartment or something. Yeah, yeah people at that time. I mean, because wasn't the bottom of uh, that restaurant or like you said the the their place at the end? Isn't that the bottom of the same apartment that the friends the friends yeah, building? Yeah, which friends being one of the most unrealistic as far exactly, as exactly that the, the women's apartment in the and movie. Also, her cooking at home. Like I have a lot of friends who are chefs and they do not cook at home no, they, they don't the last thing they want to do yeah so is, the idea yeah. that she's like whipping up meals at home i found that 
But she's a perfectionist. Right. That's true. Yeah, she could. But she must have some family money somewhere to own that apartment. I mean, yeah, there's some money, yeah. something happening there because that's not real. But it's a movie. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I mean, you but know, it's a movie. You have to, you want her to have a beautiful apartment. I'm very curious in the end to see, once watching mostly Martha, if the things that we liked come mm. from. And you know what? This actually, this uh, now think about this goes back to us just talking food in general, thinking about. Uh, you know, we'll just go back to Louisiana style of West African, Spanish, French. This is now an American movie, but we're taking from a German film. So it's just yes, well, and it's a French chef, but he's an Italian sous chef, which also doesn't really make a lot of sense. Yeah. But but I do like the way that she describes food in the movie. I mean, her signature dish is this truffle quail dish, and the way that she described it and cooking it, and yeah. I, I was like, I want to eat that. You know? Yeah. So you know, it's it's a it's a movie. I, I I would I would rewatch it again. It's a movie for people that enjoy sitcoms, uh, some, rom-coms. Probably sitcoms and, also. Probably sitcoms. <laughs> but rom-coms and. And if, if you're into kitchen culture, I would say check this out, too. Yeah, I think it's a good... I, I think especially, like, if, if you're a woman who's ever worked in a kitchen... Yeah. I think it's a... it it Those parts ring fairly true. And if you like... Yeah, I, I thought they did a good job with that kind of yeah. stuff. I really... I, I like the staff sit-downs and just, like, practicing the menu and all right. that kind Tasting of Tasting the yeah. wine and... Yeah, yeah those things yeah. felt very... Fun true. little true. Yeah, so. yeah, exactly. I mean, and the, yeah, the twenty-two bleaker. I liked that they had like bamboo in the window. You know, like they had those like bamboo as decoration, which felt very two thousand seven restaurant <laughs> to me. So, yeah. Anything else to say about no reservations? Oh man, no. Just I have no reservations recommending it to a rom com fan. There, we had to have a pun. There had to be one. Yeah, no. Good movie. Captain Zeta Jones was great. Aaron Eckhart. Please don't be a rom-com lead again. <laughs> well, moving on, we've got our, we're going to talk our famous uh, food scene right now, random famous food scene. So uh, ahead of you is uh, three options. So pick one of them, mm. and we'll see what we what we'll cover. All right, this is fun. Let's see. Fools rush in, papaya dog. Oh, I love that I got another rom-com. There we go. I hope another... that you only picked rom-coms for me. Isabel, that's so great. Well, I'm not saying I like it. But I'll give it a try. Oh, you got a deal. Mm. Good. Then I can give you your present. Mm. <laughs> you mean there's more? Uh-huh. I called my new mother-in-law, and I asked her to do me a little favor. This arrived today. said you can't have the best of both worlds. Oh. <laughs> this is the most wonderful birthday I've ever had. Okay, you think this is good? Where do you try these? Hayek is so much better than Matthew Perry. Wait, 
Selma Hayek is so much better than Matthew Perry. Yeah. Like in what? I mean, in attra- I mean, attra- I mean, attractiveness, yes. No, I mean, but, but in- he's supposed to be. But just like as an actor, like she's such an excellent actor. Oh, okay. But yeah. he, but he's, he's fine. But he's hilarious. Yeah. No, he's good. Yeah. So speaking of rom coms of New York of Friends. Yeah, <laughs> I know. We've got the scene from Fools Rush In, and we've got uh, a, should we call Grace Papaya a New York institution? I mean, hot dog. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I mean, obviously you know hot dogs are but you know yeah for, yeah. for those of you that don't know grace papaya because there's so many there's also then papaya dog but right. i mean i don't know how many i know there's the Pap- grace papaya papaya bond. king papaya. i think they're all related though yeah i think they're all related i mean i think we all assume they're all related so. but they're delicious it's amazing i mean yeah grace papaya is something that i recommend to anyone coming to new york so i i'm not sure how well they would do in a box flown across the country yeah but um, especially with the toppings already on them. Maybe she secretly put the toppings on Maybe. before she wrapped yeah. it. But, I mean, yeah, Grace Papaya is an ultimate New Yorker thing. I mean, my husband grew up on the Upper East Side, like in Yorkville. Mm-hmm. And so he, there's like a, there's a Grace Papaya up there, like on 86th Street. And so, yeah, he is diehard. I feel like anybody who grew up in New York, yeah. especially, you know, maybe not, younger kids but people who are adults now i will say think that, think of that as like the best hot dog and so i think that's a realistic thing if she was marrying a new yorker that yeah. would be yeah this know. this scene so i mean you know that's that that movie it's just they have a one night stand one night fling we'll call it and she ends up getting pregnant and then he meets her family and they're i think they're in Mexico, either Arizona or New Mexico, right. and she doesn't want to leave. But you know, he's she decides to you know that they'll go to New York, move to New York for a little while, and then that scene they're enjoying. You know, her again, f- future mother-in-law will or her no, her newfound mother-in-law sent her some grace of pie, and I love Matthew Perry's reaction to that because sometimes that yeah. that like. That's like the there's no place like home kind of oh yeah. oh oh well, and know. like the simplest food memories yes. being the best ones like even people who love really fancy food there's always something like that that yes. will get them you know and so I think what's 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 yours for you do you have I mean like really good shrimp and grits you know it's like Ooh, that for me is yeah. like home and that's something that I grew up with that's at at every restaurant and every place so like yeah. you know that you really can't get outside of the south like you know it's now it's interesting like Anson Mills um you can order you know which supplies a lot of restaurant grits you can also now order online so mm-hmm. I'm, I'm able to get decent grits outside of the south but I find that it's really hard to get good grits anywhere else in the way that I think New Yorkers feel about hot dogs. So Hot dogs and bagels. Like, that's what, yes. you know, when tra- traveling and having a bagel elsewhere, I'm um, just... Right. You know, there's right. just nothing, nothing compares to... No. I mean, hey, I'm from Jersey, so, I mean, I, you know, I think... North Jersey, because I got I'm not Central South. Jersey. Clarify, yeah, exactly North Jersey. <laughs> no, it's like when I say I'm from South Carolina, I'm like, but Charleston. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, co- yeah. coastal. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But the yeah, better part. No, but I think yeah, but because New York City and North Jersey, I think have like has like the best pizza and the best bagels. Yeah, but that's just you know right. So. Yeah. Well, that's what's happened. You know, in Charleston, it's really funny because the food scene has exploded, and there's so many great 
restaurants from all, all over the world cuisines, but when I go home, I'm like, I don't want to eat Vietnamese food in Charleston. I want Southern yeah. food, you know? So it's well, like those yeah. things you can only get in that place. And I think that's good. Like as much as we modernize the world, you know, mm -hmm. and try to get everything everywhere, like there's something to be said about being able to only get something in a certain place. And New York, I mean, it's sort of, it is sort of embarrassing, like when you're in Italy and they're like, I love your hot dogs and your pizza. And I'm like, and I love your very sophisticated <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> but, um, but this is the city <laughs> where also, that's I've asked this question to people before, like what is our food culture, at least here up in, in New York City? Like that's, we don't have a distinct... Jewish food culture, I the, think. Yeah. Like the delis, you know, like, like Russ and Daughters and Katz's, like that, you know, I as a Jewish kid growing up in the South, I didn't have any of that kind okay. of stuff. So that's a good I, point, yeah. I find that to be really, really unique to New York. And even, I mean, Italian-American is different than, you know. Yes, definitely. Yeah, I mean, it's really, that's a really interesting point. You know, when we talk about why certain cuisines are the way they are, because Italian-Americans couldn't get a lot of the ingredients that they yeah. were able to get. And so you have this, and it was also a lot of Southern Italian, so you have this real mashup of things that only exist here and people don't recognize that as its own cuisine but it really is it really, yeah that's like spaghetti and meatballs is not something you find in italy you know that's a, that's an american invention <laughs> yeah. and it's a really excellent american we, invention god damn it we love yeah, it yeah and it's amazing <laughs> it's amazing you're welcome yeah <laughs> <laughs> thank you world you're welcome well uh last but not least let's move on to the uh gut instinct segment and so uh you know like i told you beforehand bit of a just whatever whatever comes to you first whatever your gut instinct is favorite fast food yeah wendy's frosty wendy's is always like i tell you when like wendy's and then taco bell those are always like my top two as far as answers i get really yeah. well i don't eat um i don't eat i'm gonna sound like a snob but i don't eat processed meat so okay. it's I, I i haven't eaten like a real i mean I, like since i was a kid i really haven't but if i'm on like a road trip and somebody stops if, if sure. it's wendy's i will get that chocolate frosty yeah. <laughs> what's your go-to uh beer cocktail alcoholic beverage oh man i mean i love cider like i am a cider oh. person so i i drink a lot of cider nice yeah it's probably the the living in britain Part of uh, yeah. my life has stuck with me in that respect. Uh, favorite childhood snack? Ooh, popcorn. popcorn. I used to bring a bag of popcorn to school as like a snack. Nice. It's like a, and, a, and a can of seltzer. <laughs> so weird. But yeah. Uh, sweet or savory? I think I know the Savory, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, favorite food city? Oh, that's could be domestic, so international. Hard. We could I, you could make one. You know, no, both. I mean it's definitely somewhere in Italy, but the, it would be really hard to say where oh. in Italy. That it, yeah. I give, give I don't know. Maybe like you know I. You can label off, read off a few. Yeah, I would say. Well, it's really regions. I mean, I would say the cuisines of Emilia Romagna and the cuisines of Puglia are two of my favorites. So it would be a hard choice, but. Yeah, I mean, I, I think just, like, really excellent pasta or seafood. It Italian seafood pasta. Yeah, so probably Puglia. That has that. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, that's not really gut instinct, because it's like, ugh. So then this is probably going to be just as difficult of a question. Your favorite, or maybe not, maybe it's very easy, favorite cuisine. Oh, Italian. Italian, yeah. okay. Guilty pleasure food. Oh, man. 
um, I, those artichokes, you know, when you get like at the deli, like, like, like stuffed artichokes, not stuffed artichokes, but you know, like just like, they're not, they're not pickled, but like artichokes kind of in that oil when they're like roasted artichokes and they're so expensive. (laughs) Like if you buy it from Whole Foods, like if you buy good ones, they're really expensive. So sometimes like if I'm having a bad day, I will just get like an entire, like I will go to the deli section of Whole Foods and like buy an entire tub of that and it'll be like $27 and then you just like eat it in one sitting. So So, yeah, guilty eating it all and guilty for the price. Yeah, it's not bad for you. It's just like really expensive and so yeah, I don't eat, um, yeah, because I don't eat dessert so I don't have a lot of like guilty pleasure because like Mm -hmm. my, I eat a lot of like fruit and stuff is kind of my like sweet thing. So yeah, so I would say like expensive things are my guilty pleasure. Ah. Unfortunately. (laughs) Favorite uh, condiment? Um, well, I don't know if you would call. It, I mean, miso. I put miso paste on like everything, which That's, yeah. is kind of a condiment. Like sure. you wouldn't put it on after, but I, or you would. I don't know. Yeah, I put. I like miso is the one thing that I think like you can add it to anything, and everyone will be like, "Whoa, what did you do here?" And you're like, it's miso again. <laughs> What's the last thing you ate? Well, I had breakfast this morning. My mm-hmm. son, we either make oatmeal or eggs for breakfast every single morning. Oh. Um, and I really hate the days with oatmeal. So we had sunny side up eggs this nice. morning, which was great. Yeah. <laughs> That's nice that you guys cook together in the morning. Yeah. Um, what would be your last meal? Oh, man, that is so hard. It would be like so many things. Like I would definitely just a be potluck a, of sorts. Yeah, I would have a potluck. <laughs> I would have a potluck of the tagliatelle from Austria Francescana, because that is the, really the greatest iteration. Like I, people know Massimo Batura as you know a very fancy chef, mm-hmm. which he is. But I mean, he still has like you know his tagliatelle, which is sort of Emilia Romagna's classic dish on his menu, and it's maybe the greatest thing of all time i would have that i would have steamed low country oysters because people just it's just the best thing probably some shrimp and grits and like peak season strawberries like peak (laughs) summer like strawberries and blueberries and maybe a lobster that's my like rhode island part of me yeah so basically (laughs) i would just eat myself to death and then that would be my last meal meal. yeah Yeah. Do you prefer to dine in or dine out? I, you know, I guess dine out because I like learning. Like, I, I, you know, I obviously think I'm a pretty good cook. You have to think that in order to write a cookbook. Sure. You know, but, um, but I think that I, if, if I, before I even start to make something, I'm usually pretty sure of what it's going to taste like. So Mm -hmm. I would say dining out is probably a better, experience because you're surprised and there's nothing better than being surprised by something delicious yes oh i can't can't agree more what's your spirit food artichokes artichokes yeah (laughs) yeah i mean my my company logo is an artichoke so i i don't know why i just i love them like if you know my husband peel away at them no you know i hate i hate (laughs) i hate everything about cooking them i really hate them i i resent them when i cook them um, but so you're telling us that you resent yourself? I resent myself. Yeah, this is like a deeper. This, this is, is why I'm, I need Bob Balaban. Ba- yeah, I was going to say, I'm your Bob Balaban right <laughs> yeah, now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I, um, no, it's like if I go to a restaurant and something has artichokes in it, I'm like powerless to not order it, uh, you know? And, and it's funny because like my husband will do that where we'll look at a menu and he'll be like, well, there's a 
artichoke risotto. I guess I know what you're getting today. And it's like, <laughs> it's pathetic. So yeah, I would say, even though I know, yeah, maybe not my spirit food. Cause then you're right. Like I'm hard to peel away at. That's terrible. It takes a long time yeah. to cook at me. I don't know. Maybe my spirit food is like a blueberry. I was just going like to say, delightful. I think I, you, 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 like, yeah, fresh fruit. Like fresh some, fruit, delightful yeah. summer blueberry. Yeah. <laughs> From a Rhode Island farm. Ooh. Mm. Uh, what when you go to the movies? What kind of snacks are we having? Are you having popcorn? Any? Popcorn. That's yeah, the, that's always the popcorn. I'm not a candy. You know, I I don't eat a lot of candy. Yeah. I, I like chocolate. Like I like really like I like dark chocolate, but yeah. I, I don't have a good dark chocolate usually. Although now movie theaters have become very fancy. This so, is true. You know, you could say anything, <laughs> but yeah, I like I just like giant bucket of popcorn. The end. And last question: What's the greatest lesson you've learned in food? I think the most important lesson is to be nice to everyone because you will learn oh. so much more. I mean, I, I find that, you know, if you if you want to learn about food, just be nice to people. And it's amazing how much people will show you or teach you because that's the most important thing is to always be learning. So, yeah. you know, people get very snobby, you know, when you talk about food and wine and fine dining and all of these subjects – there's this presumed snobbery to it and actually it really doesn't have to be if you're nice and you ask people to teach you something they usually will yeah that's a good point and and that goes back to what i'm always saying is that if there's going to be one thing that just makes kind of unites the world or just make makes it a better place than it is is just is food is sitting down and again going back to the beginning of the podcast and talking about understanding the roots of a dish so you appreciate that but then those then you know then you have people uh, west african and spanish and french then appreciating that that they came together and created this cuisine down in the you know south of the united states of america yeah and so if you're nice to those people and you ask them questions yeah well we weren't nice we we didn't we don't deserve that food no we don't no. <laughs> but now you but now, I'm saying, now i'm saying yeah, yeah exactly i mean now it's really it's really amazing what you can learn if you yeah. just start asking people questions and if you're interested in people you know because most people are really thrilled to talk about their culture and their food sure and you know that the idea that like we already know everything stops people you know they don't want to come across as like they don't know something when really i I, you know i assume that you don't know very much about southern food so ask me you know so i think that's um yeah that's kind of how i live my life i like it well ali thank you so much for coming on please now tell all the foodie fans where they can see your work and where they can you know from your social media to your show and your yeah. book so social media i'm ali underscore rosen um because ali rosen was taken by a bikini fitness model uh true story so ali is a-l-i and rosen is r-o-s-e-n and then you can find my website is potluckwithally.com and the book is bring it wherever fine books are sold so yeah that's me <laughs> well again thank you so much and if you can uh we have a little catchphrase at the end if you can uh and you, you you'll appreciate this it's a uh, it's something my grandmother always says and she reminds us when we're all sitting around the family table that you know if the, if the plate's getting a little empty there's more to cut but i feel like that that's, so that's what she always says so if you can just remind uh the foodie fans that there's there's more to cut there's more to cut thank you thank you Yummy, 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 I got love in my tummy And I feel like I'm loving you Love you such a sweet